Crest Church. I'm Mitch. And I'm Kira. Thank you so much to all of our Monster Mash volunteers for helping make it such an amazing community event. We have our e-bulletin available online with links to our connect form and website. You can access this by opening the camera app on your iPhone or Android device and pointing it at the QR code on the screen. If you're new with us today, we are so glad you've joined us. Please connect with us by going to presschurch.tv or by snapping the QR code with your device and clicking on the iMoon link. This is not a commitment to anything, but an opportunity for us to support you and thank you for joining us. We are collecting toys for Common Ground Free Store's Miracle on William Street event, where parents can do their Christmas shopping through the free store. We are collecting toys for kids 12 to 17 years old. They should be new and unwrapped. Please bring them any Sunday in November. Press Youth will be meeting next Sunday from 6 to 7.30 p.m. at our PAL campus for a custom escape room. Get ready to look for some clues and solve some puzzles. A new midweek releases every Wednesday at noon on our YouTube channel. Join us as our pastors dig deep into spiritual questions with each other. If you have any questions you would like them to discuss, please email us at info at If you would like to join Press Church in making a difference in this community, there are four ways you can support us financially. If you're visiting a campus in person, there's a box at the back exit of the worship center where you can drop off your support as you leave. If you would prefer to send a check, please send it to 8794 Big Bear Avenue, Powell, Ohio, 43065. The easiest way to give is by visiting our website or texting any amount to the number 84321. Let's celebrate everything God has given us and support the community both locally and globally. Now let's prepare to engage what God has for us today. Good morning. How are we doing today? So good to see you guys. Uh, my name is Sean Lee. I'm the lead pastor here. Uh, for those of you who are joining us online, thank you for joining us. Uh, welcome. If this is your first time, we're so glad to have you. Uh, and if it's not your first time, we're still so glad to have you. So we had a blast this last weekend. If you hadn't heard about this thing, this monster mash thing that we were doing, man, if you didn't get to come out, you missed out. It was a blast. Had such a good time. I want to, big thanks. I know they thanked in the, in the announcements, but if you helped out in any way, thank you so much. You guys made it such a special night. Uh, I want to publicly thank the Bontragers for all the work that they put in behind the scenes. Um, I know Brian likes to hide, and he stays in his little corner, but Brian, he... He did this sweet maze in the back for the kids with great lighting and it's just really cool. And you guys know Chrissy. Go 
if you see them, just thank them. Thank them. Um, they did. They put in a lot of work. Um, and, and that's really the story a lot of times. So many things that you, you, see, you see this stuff, you don't see the behind the scenes. You don't see the hours and hours of, of sacrifice and people doing things. And so I want to make sure to, to thank uh, everybody, everybody who helped. It was really an awesome night. And so with that, we actually put together a little highlight reel. I thought it would be fun to just give a little highlight video for those of you who weren't able to, to check it out. So let's, uh, we have that video, right? Let's check it out. It was a blast. It was a blast. Yeah, great time. So in, in keeping with, uh, with our series, today is the last week of Weird Church. I've had fun with this. I know there's some people who are like, I don't, I don't know how I feel about you saying Weird Church every week. And, 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 but I, I'm going to go over it. We, we've got three points that I highlighted throughout this whole series, if you remember. The first one is Jesus is weird. We're the church. We should be weird. And I know some of you, if this is your first time or if you haven't seen any of our other series, you say, isn't, isn't that like sacrilegious to say that Jesus is weird? Are you allowed to, are you allowed to say that in church? Am I allowed to say that? Um, so the way that we're prefacing all of this, and I would say if you haven't gotten to watch any of the other uh, messages in the series, go back. They're on YouTube, social media. You can go check them out. I dig into all these things much more. But the definition of weird that we're working off of is this. It's, it's assuming something supernatural or unusual. If we think about that, Jesus was weird. He was supernatural. The things that he did, it, they don't make sense. They're unusual. They're beyond us. And so that's, that's the first premise we work off of. Jesus was weird. He did some weird things. He said some weird things. And uh, so, so that's, our, that's our starting point. The other thing is we are the church. You hear about church being a building. The church isn't a building. We are the church. We are the body of Christ. The body of Christ is a church. And so if we're the body of Christ, it, it, it only makes sense that, that we should also be weird. So as we close up our, our Weird Church series today, I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to this time together. But I had a quick question that I want you to think about. When you picture Jesus, what do you see? When you picture, when you think of Jesus, what, what do you see? What do you think of? What comes to mind? Who's the person that you think of? What does he look like? What does he sound like? How does he talk? Put, put, put a picture in your head. And so the pastors this week, myself, Pastor Jason, Pastor CR, we hopped in the car yet again. And we started to talk about what is Jesus really like? Let's take a look at this video. If I'm saying like, hey, I want you to picture Jesus, what do you actually picture? Like in your head when you're reading the Sermon on the Mount, in the Bible, and he's, you know, talking about, like, what is, what is, 
I usually have to erase all the the depictions right. that have been injected into me from my childhood. Yeah. So like white Jesus, uh, blonde hair, right. Caucasian. Yeah, Caucasian blue Jesus. eyes. All right. Speaking with a British accent. Well, yeah. From because why is it like all of these uh, movies? Well, had I mean, a had a British Jesus. They probably used the King James version to, <laughs> to come up with the storyline. Right. So well, that was the original text, right? Yeah, yeah. Paul wrote in <laughs> King James English. Yeah. Is it like because it's probably mostly marketed to Americans, and what w- we have like such a limited palette for our understanding of other cultures that we think like if somebody's speaking in a British accent that it represents yes. a Middle Easterner. Yes, that's I mean exactly. <laughs> We don't realize we're being talked down to when we're being talked down to. It's sad, but true. I like to picture my Jesus as a seven-pound, eight-ounce baby, baby Jesus. I like to picture my Jesus as a yeah, with wings, singing for Leonard Skinner, golden fleece. <laughs> oh man, we have such ter- a terrible concept of of Jesus. I, I think and that his prayer. I think that prayer in Talladega Nights, as hyperbolic as it is, is is actually fairly representative of of how we like the wife like say a good prayer right. so we win so that we win this weekend. Yeah, yeah, it's fairly re- representative of our ignorance. <laughs> right. You know, I, I, sadly, yeah. you know, I mean, it's supposed to be poking fun at ignorance, but right. at the end of the day, we're all pretty ignorant about Jesus. Yeah. What would we do if we were really trying to help somebody understand Jesus? And, and we struggle, right? Yeah. So, like, how would we really help somebody understand the essence of Jesus? I think we, we, we have to remember that while Jesus was fully God, divine, he was also fully man. The incarnate yeah, yeah. Christ yeah. is uh, bled, cried. He right. had emotions. Ha, yeah, had right. emotions. Yeah. Um, so we, we sometimes re- remove the humanity from Jesus, yeah. and that's a terrible thing to do yeah. because it, it doesn't give us a picture of... Uh, how amazing and how awesome and how giving he really was and is having you know final supper looking at judas yes serving knowing full knowing washing his feet right Right. (laughs) like yeah that's pretty intense and and we're like oh you said something mean to me yeah Yeah. i'm yeah i'm (laughs) like you're out he handed him over to be crucified (laughs) yeah we can relate with certain aspects of Judas where we know we betray Christ and that we don't do what he's calling us to do. And, and in fact, we go beyond that where we hold on to the things that he's asking us to let go of. And I think like how often, you know, we don't give uh, to the church even when we're called Mm -hmm. to be sacrificial, but we like our lattes. We like our going out to eat. We like our, you know, yeah. extra vacations or whatever. Right, right, right. We like everything extra, right? Extra. Yes. And the, uh, yeah, the, the flexibility to have extra. Right. Yeah. And it's like, God's calling us into something deeper than that. Yeah. And everybody gets freaked out when you talk about money. Why is that? Right. Well, because we like to hold on to it. Yeah. We like to hoard it, right? Yeah. So if yeah. you actually put that out there and go, hmm, what are you doing? 
Yeah. Maybe I'm holding on to something, right? Well, yeah. I mean, it begs the question: What are we holding on to yeah. that we need to let go of? Yes. Yeah, I think that's a good question for us to think through today. What are we holding on to as we work through this message? Uh, keep, that, keep that at the forefront of your mind. What am I holding on to? What do I need to let go of? Um, let's start in Matthew today. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter 19, a story that a lot of you are familiar with. Uh, but we'll go ahead and read through this. Matthew chapter 19, we're going to start in verses 16 and uh, read some of the story about the rich young ruler. So it reads like this. Just then, a man came up to Jesus and asked, Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? Why do you ask me about what is good? Jesus replied. There is only one who is good. If you want to enter life, keep the commandments. Which ones, he inquired. I love this. It's like, it's like you know, working through, all right, what do I have to do? Which ones, he inquired. Jesus replied, you should not murder. You should not commit adultery. You should not steal. You should not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother. Love your neighbor as yourself. What's, what's interesting about this, if you know, these are from the, the Ten Commandments, except he didn't give Ten Commandments. So are the other, are the other ones useful still, or, or what is it? And he says, I have kept all of these. The young man said, what? Do I lack? What do I still lack? Jesus answered, if you want to be perfect, go. Sell your possessions, give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. So my, my message is really simple today. We're going get to get to be done really, really early. It's this. Go sell everything. And... Oh, I'm, I'm, <laughs> bring back the money, and then we'll figure out who we need to give it to from there. So if you guys get on that, hopefully by the end of the week, we can have everything sold. We can, we can truly live. We can do this, right? Isn't this the command that we're supposed to do? I mean, there's a lot more going on in here, but, you know, I want to I look at this picture. When, when, the, the picture of what's going on. When I, when I read this story, I picture a young man, a young ruler who has a bunch of boxes checked off. Rich, check. Influential, check. Powerful, check. I've kept all the commands, right? My spiritual life, check. I've got, I've got all, all the sections of my life. It, it's right, except, except I, I don't have some things, too. There's, there's, some, there's something I don't have. And it's interesting. He even said, what must I do, right? Good teacher, what must I do? I've done all these things. I have an organized life. My, my, my life is nice and organized and neat, and it's, it's all good. It's, it's, perfectly, it's perfectly ordered. Do we have any um, computer nerds out there? Is it computer geek or nerd? I think it's nerd. Computer nerds? Any computer nerds? No one's like raising their hand like, I'm not going to admit that. Uh, it, it, and this is, gonna, this is a little nerdy on my part to even say this. It made me think of, of, of partitioning a hard drive. Anybody ever heard of partitioning a hard drive? Everybody's like, what are you talking about now? So a hard drive, if you're not familiar, is a storage device on a computer. You keep information on there. When you get a new hard drive, a lot of times it's recommended that you do this thing called partitioning it. What that does is it, it sets the hard drive into sections. And so you order information on that hard drive so that your computer runs faster and, and more efficiently. And so everything stays in this nice, neat compartment. Maybe think of this. He's, he's got his life partitioned nice and clean. Everything's working how it should. All right, I've got my 
got this side worked out, and I've got this side worked out, and this side worked out. And the thing is, we've kind of done the same thing. We've partitioned our lives. We, we have our social life, our home life, our work life, our things. And he, he, here's the first thing I want to say. Our lives are not designed to be partitioned. They're just not. I mean, I'm not saying you can't have organization in your life. I'm, let, let's, any, any illustration breaks down at some point. But let's, let's think about this for a second. Each area of your life will affect the other area. You can't just block it off like a, like a hard drive partitioned. Your spiritual life will affect your mental life, your mental health. Your spiritual health will, will affect your physical health. And each one of those, all these things interact with each other. As much as you want to try to separate them, you can't separate them. They interact with each other. We're spiritual beings, okay? We're spiritual beings. God says we're made, Scripture says we're made in the image of God. We are spiritual beings. Our spiritual life affects every single other element of our life. And here's what we've tried to do. We've tried to partition. We've tried to silo out sections of our lives. And usually it's just for control's sake. We want to control it. I'll go to church, you know, once or twice a month, get my spiritual checklist done, you know, got my family life, we'll get that, got my work life. We, we, we have all these sections, and we, we try to keep them separated in order to try to control. I, I found an interesting thing. You guys have heard of the Titanic, right? The unsinkable, the unsinkable ship that sunk. Um, do you guys know why it was considered unsinkable? It had compartments. So Titanic had 16 compartments on, on the bottom level. And it was said that it could withstand f up to four of those compartments taking, taking water, and it would still float. And so it was considered unsinkable. There's no, there's no way. There's no way these, these compartments are going to uh, get damaged. How so much, so much of us, how, how, many, so many times in our lives we, we think that? I, I think I keep these nice compartmentalized spaces and, and we keep this in control and everything's good. And then life hits you. You hit that iceberg. And the very thing you didn't think could be possible is now possible. Your life starts sinking. You start taking on water. And the things that you put together, the things that you put, you know, uh, effort into and pride into and all these different things are the very things that are crumbling before you. And I thought, man, if we just had all these together, we'd be fine. If I have the right job, if I, if I have the right, you know, the right spouse, if I have all these things in line, everything will work out just how I want it and I'll never sink. Like I said, life hits you. So what do we do with this? In, in, in the scripture that we read, the, the rich young ruler seemingly had everything going for him. He had his, you know, work life, check, spiritual life, check, doing everything he needs, right? He's, he's got it checked off. What more, you know, what do I not have? He was seeking something, right? He wanted eternal life. He's like, I've done all these things. How do I get, how do I get this? It's the one thing I, I don't have. I have everything else. It's good. But he was seeking that which he didn't have. And you see, we're all very much like the rich young ruler in this. And this is my second point. We are addicted to the things we do not have. We are addicts, all of us. My name is Sean, 
and I'm an addict. Hi, <laughs> Sean. Right. I'm addicted. I'm addicted to myself. I want things. I desire things. Me, me. That's all of us. We have a problem with, with addiction. And, and the problem with this is, the problem with this addiction to things we don't have is really like any, any addiction in, in, in reality, is that it can never be quenched. You cannot get enough for that desire to go away. You can't get enough money. You can't get enough fame. You can't have enough friends. You can't have enough followers. You can't have enough. And that's what we do. Let's think of this. We, we do. We, we want what we don't have. You get something that you think you want, and it's cool for a little bit, and then what happens? The new version comes out. There's a, there's a new feature. Three cameras instead of two. Four cameras instead of three. Next, it's just going to be a camera. It's just, it's just like a big lens. You're just carrying around a lens. Capture your life. It's not 4K anymore. It's 16K, and it's hyper real, and it's, it's realer than real. But we always want that. We want the next thing, and it's like we can't help ourselves. And I see that with the rich young ruler. It's like, what, what do I not have that I need to get? What do I not have? And there's always something. There's always something else. So to keep in theme with our series, following Jesus, the life of following Jesus is, is, is weird. Why is it weird? Because he's calling us at the core to live a life that is not centered around ourselves. That's weird. That's unnatural. That's unusual. You, 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 know, you know it's true, because you think about it. You know, someone handed something out for free. You ever have someone come up, hey, you want something for free? You're like, uh, no. You don't want something? I'm giving you something. No, I don't want Because you're waiting. They're like, hey, why are you taking this thing for free? Do you want to sign up for our mailing list and blah, blah, blah? Or, oh, hey, by the way, we're doing this. Or, hey, can I have your email too? Or, hey, can I? There's always something, right? Nothing's free. Something that you learn really early, right, in life. Nothing's really free. It, it, there's always a cost to something. And yet following Jesus, it, it's actually free. Like, you couldn't earn it. You couldn't do anything to get it. That's just weird. So Jesus is calling us to a life that we are not the center. And you know one of the first places that Jesus calls out this mentality is with our money. I'm not allowed to say that in church. I know we're not allowed to talk about money in church anymore. Yeah, yeah, you're going to tell us we should give 10%. You know what's funny? I, I looked up a stat, and, and based on the studies, only 5% of churchgoers tithe. Only 5% of churchgoers tithe. Now, if you know, tithe is 10%. It's, it's a tenth. It's 10% of what you gave. Hmm, I just thought, it, it surprised me. Wow, only 5%. Who wants better mental health? Everybody's like, wait, we're just talking about money. Why are we going to jump? Who wants better mental health? Anybody want better mental health? Everybody's ears perks up like, oh, okay, we can talk about this. Yeah, this is much better. We can get off the money subject. Okay, cool. Yeah, let's talk about that. 
What if I told you I know how you can have better mental health? You'd be like, I call. I was about to say something. I'm going to get myself in trouble these days and say something I shouldn't. I call BS. I'm just going to say it. You're like, no, you can't, you can't, you can't, uh, you can't help me out better. You know what's funny? Some research has shown, I'm, I'm, research has shown uh, clinical evidence that gratitude has a positive effect on your health and well-being. Gratitude. So people who act out of gratitude, this is in the study, report fewer symptoms of illness, are more optimistic, more likely to meet their goals, and have decreased anxiety and depression. People who act out of gratitude, people who are thankful, who act out of being thankful, who are, who are, who are happy for what, for what they have. Similar research shows that, that practicing gratitude actually changes the brain in a way that orients people to feel more rewarded when other people benefit. So practicing gratitude, it literally starts changing the way you think to where you feel rewarded. Like when you see other people benefit, like you feel rewarded, which is why gratitude also encourages generosity. I wrote it down like this. Gratitude refocuses what matters. Gratitude refocuses what matters. When we're thinking about what we have versus what we don't have, when we're thinking about the things that, that God has graced us with versus what we don't have, the, you know, the, the, the addiction to the things we don't have, all of a sudden, our mind starts changing. We start thinking differently. What are you thankful for today? What is something you're truly thankful for? You don't have to say it out loud, but think through that. What is something you're truly thankful for? In, in, our, in our groups, in life group, we, we usually start off with, you know, what, what, are you, what are you thankful for? And then we also ask, what you, what's stressing you out? What, what's, what's, what's stress in your life right now? Why is it that it's so much easier to say what's stressing us out than what we're thankful for? Everyone's like, hey, what are you thankful for? Crickets. Chirp, 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 chirp. Um, thankful that my uh, dog went outside to go to the bathroom and not in, in my carpet. It's like, okay. I mean, that's, that's something to be thankful for, right? Okay. Why do we have such a hard time being thankful? When we can look around and we have so many, so many things to be thankful for, and you know, it's so hard for us to think, what am I actually thankful for? Now, maybe you're in a bad situation right now. Maybe you're going through a hard time in life. Maybe you have, you know, relationships crumbling. Something's going on in your life, and you say, I have nothing to be thankful. I, 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 I get that. I get that feeling. We, we can very easily get there. But I guarantee you, you have something to be thankful for. You have something in your life that you can be thankful for. In Paul's letter to the Ephesians, it's in chapter 5, he's, he's going through um, really input in how to live your life. He's giving input on you know, how to live. And there's a sentence there uh, you know, towards the, the, the bottom section. of it. it says, and always giving thanks to God for everything. And I thought, well, that's just unrealistic. Oh, am I the only one that thinks like that? Okay. 
I guess I'm the only one who thinks that's unreal. Man, always giving thanks to God for everything. But what a good mindset. Wow. So whatever you're going through right now, giving thanks to God for everything. God, I thank you that I'm having trouble with this relationship because it's, it's drawing me closer to you and making me trust you and not myself. God, I thank you for this relational issue because it can, it can work out my patience and it can help me, help me work through some of my character development. God, I thank you for this impossible scenario that you've placed in front of me because I know that at the end, at the end of the day, Whatever comes from it is, is, is only from you. And whatever develops from it, I know you can redeem it. And I know you can work through it. It's, it's not easy. It's not easy. It's hard to do. And we don't like doing it. We'd rather complain. It's so much, it's so much better. I would, rather, I would rather mope, right? How many of us, when we're going through it, we just want to mope? Like, I just want to, my life is so hard right now. Oh, my gosh. Can I tell you about it? We like telling people, so this happened, and this happened, and we like, we just, it's feel, why does it feel so good? Why does it feel so good to complain about what's going on in life, right? Let me tell you how bad I have it. And it's like, we just, we're like begging for you to tell me how bad, how bad my life is. Please tell me how bad it is. So, you know, I, I'm pastor of this church, and every week I get up here, and I stand and talk in front of people, and they just don't get it. They don't get the work that I put in. I work so hard to make these talks really good, and no one changes their lives. And they just complain when I say things that I shouldn't say, or they, they don't like that I said weird Jesus, or my kids won't go to sleep, and ugh. Do you guys feel bad for me? We, we, we want that, right? We want people to feel bad for us. So I have homework for us this week. Got some homework. Everyone's like, oh my gosh, I was done with school years ago. Here's what I want you to do. Each day, I want you to write down something that you're thanking God for. Just do it each day. Whether it's in the morning, whether it's in the night, whenever there's a time. It could be on your lunch break. I guarantee you, you can save, you know, 30 seconds of scrolling through Instagram or Facebook or Snapchat or TikTok or whatever other thing you want to go through, and you can thank God for something. Just do that. At some point this week, every day, try to do it every day this week. Write down something that you're thankful for. CR, Pastor CR was sharing with us. There's a guy who used to be a pastor, and I don't know his, his full story. I think there was something that happened. He's not pastoring anymore. Went through some really, really hard stuff. Um, I don't know if it was addictions, but uh, his life fell apart, basically. But now, he goes on social media, and every day, he writes something that he's thankful for. Every day. He will, he will write something. And it, sometimes it's, I'm thankful that my depression isn't as bad today. I'm thankful that I was able to leave the house. I'm thankful for friends that check up on me. I'm thankful that I have the capacity to buy food. But every day, and I thought, man, what if our mental framework each day looked like that? 
how different would we feel? How different would we look at life? How different would we look at each other? That's powerful. It made me think of this. Followers of Jesus should be the most thankful and giving people that you know. Because at the end of the day, everything can be falling apart. You could live in a third world country and be persecuted for your faith, and yet that person can still be thankful. Why? Because they have hope beyond this life. They have hope beyond what they can see, what's in their hand, what they're experiencing. We talk about how Christians are viewed in society. Uh, do you think Christians are viewed as thankful and giving? Hey, what do you think about followers of Jesus? What do you first think of? Are they giving and thankful? Well, no. But why not? Why, why, why shouldn't we be the most thankful and giving people? We should, be, we should be setting the, the, the tone. We should be setting the foundation of what being thankful looks like and being giving looks like. I know when I, we brought up money, I'm sure some of you guys were squirming in your seats like, oh, no, no, don't talk about this. We're not, we're not allowed to talk about this. Please, let this end soon. I don't want to talk about this. It was funny. I was working through my message, or really thinking through the message, and I was like, man, I hope, you know, I, I really do pray a lot and, and, and pray that God uses this time and these words, and I was praying about this message, and we're sitting in bed, and, and you know, Beth goes, oh, it'll be great. Of course, you know, that's a typical wife response. Oh, yeah, it'll be great, right? Yeah, you'll do fine. You always do great. Okay, right, okay. That's not reassuring, but thanks. Okay. And I said, I'm going to talk about money. She goes, uh-oh. <laughs> that's the reassurement I needed. <laughs> So I'm going to bring up money, literally. She just, uh-oh. <laughs> Here's why I bring up money. It shines a light right onto what we're holding on to. It shines a light right into where our heart is. It shines a light into the thing that we don't want to let go of. It's mine. Don't talk about that. And, we, and we'll, we'll give examples. Oh, well, this church used it poorly, or, oh, they took advantage of that. And we'll use those things to give ourselves an out. God isn't saying, hey, I want you to give to this church, and you need to make sure that they're stewarding it well. I think of it like, uh, any, any Lord of the Rings fans? Okay, a couple. I think, I just, I just think we're, like, we're like Gollum with, with our money. My precious, right? My precious. Don't, don't touch it. My precious. Better not talk bad about it. Don't, uh, uh, don't, touch, uh, don't take it. It's our precious. I earned it. I'll do what I want with it. Money is the ultimate in showing where your priorities are. And that's why we don't like talking about it. It's personal, right? It's personal. How dare you talk about what I do with money? You're not... You're not my parent. I'm an adult. I'll do what I want with my money. And yet, we come first full circle with this, with this story. The rich young ruler, he had everything lined up. He did the right things. He had all he could want. He followed the commands. 
except the one thing he couldn't earn on his own is eternal life. And what did Jesus say? Sell those things. The things that you're holding on to, those are the things that are getting in between us. Jesus knew his heart. He felt for them. Actually, if you look through the Gospels, there's, there's other Gospel accounts of this. In one, in one of those accounts, it said Jesus loved him. Jesus had compassion for him. He cared for him. He said, sell, sell your things. Follow me. This, this, is, this is the best thing for you. And he went away sad. See, Jesus isn't just asking for 10%. He isn't just asking for your tithe. Jesus is asking for everything. Jesus is asking for everything. And often we feel sad like the rich young ruler because we rely on ourselves instead of trusting in God. We want to be in control. That money offers me control. That money allows me to do what I want. You know, it's funny. At the, at the end of the day, as a, as a church, we need, we need money to do what we do, to keep the lights on, to supply outreach, to support, to, to bless those around us, to do the things that, that we do. And you play a part in that. And we need that. But here's why we talk about money. Because it's a heart issue. And you don't have to trust me. You can think that I'm talking about this just so that our, that our offering goes up. You can, you can think that I'm doing this to get more money. And you can think whatever you want. You can think terribly of me. You can, that's fine. But I guarantee you, your finances reflect your trust in God. Your finances reflect how much you're giving to God. And that's something we have to talk about. And if I don't talk about it, then I'm skipping a whole section of things that Jesus talked about. He kept going to money. He, he went to money so many times. Why is it so hard? Because that's what we trust in. So bottom line, what you give, how you give, should truly be a response to God. Not a feeling of guilt, not a feeling of compulsion, not anything else. Even in 2 Corinthians 9, it says this, each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Are we cheerful, giver, uh, cheerful givers? Are you a cheerful giver? And I do want to thank, for those of you who, who have given and given to Press Church, thank you so much. We can't do any of this stuff. This awesome event that we did on Friday, we would not be able to do stuff like that. We would not be able to do the outreach that we do. We would not be able to support the way that we support. So there is, I mean, there is a, a foundation. Yes, we do need money to survive, but it needs to be so much more than that. Giving 10% of your money is weird. It's weird. You ask, you ask someone who's not in the church, and they're like, you give 10, you just give 10%? It's weird. That's, that's not normal. Giving your life over to Jesus, that's weird. Living for something more than yourself, that's weird. Thinking about someone else more than yourself, that's weird. And yet we're, we're, we're presented a Jesus who gave the ultimate sacrifice of giving everything for us. 
He gave his life for us. That's weird. That's unusual. That's supernatural. That's beyond. It is weird to live your life for more than just yourself. And that is what we see in Jesus. He gave everything. So I ask this. Because of this, can we be a church that lives in a state of gratitude and thanks? Can we be a church that gives generously? A church that knows that, you know, I can't do it on my own. So I will live a, a life of gratitude for what Jesus has done for me. I will reflect love to others because I know that I couldn't do it on my own. Where is your heart? Maybe you're still upset that I was talking about money. Maybe you're not. Maybe you know, you know what? I've, I've held on tight to my finances. I need, to, I need to let go of that a little bit. Wherever you are, I'm not judging. This is just as much a challenge for me as it is anybody else. What do I have that I'm holding on to? What resources do I have that I'm hoarding? Do we have any hoarders in the room? I think we're all hoarders, right? Wouldn't that be interesting? Instead of like the regular hoarders, we have like spiritual hoarders. I wonder what that would look like. We are, we're hoarders. How can we let go? So going back to that question, what are you holding on to that you need to let go of? What are you putting your faith in that Jesus is saying, why aren't you putting your faith in me? I would challenge you. If, if, you, if you aren't giving, give. If you're not giving 10%, give 10%. Give more. What can you give? Why would you give? We try to steward whatever we get here really well. You can talk to Jason. Line items, bang, we, we, we do our best. But it's not even about that. It's about your obedience to God and whatever you're doing. I hate talking about money, don't we? I hate it. But yet we're imprisoned by it. And so we have to talk about it. Let's be in a state of thanks. Let's be in a state of gratitude. And do your homework this week. Write down what you're thankful for. Be thankful. Pray to God. Thank him for what's going on. Let's pray. God, I thank you for all that you are doing. I thank you for challenging conversations. I thank you for ways that we can continue to lean into you more. God, as we close this series, it is, it is ultimately, it's, it's weird to live a life following you. Because it goes beyond us. It goes beyond what we can do on our own. So God, I pray that you would give each of us the strength this week to get through our days, to, to, to think outside maybe our, our circumstances and to look at, hey, you know what? I do have a lot to be thankful for. And God, out of, out of that thankful mindset, out of a mindset of, of having gratitude, God, that we would be generous. And that in being thankful and being generous, our minds would be changed. You would renew our minds, God. So the focus isn't so much about us, but it's about loving others.
God, I love you, and I thank you for all that you're doing. Pray that you would use this time to grow us, to mature us, to make us more like yourself. That we would reflect you well, that we would represent you well to the people around us. God, we love you, and it's your name we pray. Amen. You guys made it through. You got, you got through a talk about money. Good job. Give yourselves a round of applause, right? right? Let's stand and let's continue in worship this morning.